the Samsung Neo QLED 8K TV featuring incredible color volume with 8K AI upscaling powered by 20 neural networks on an impossibly slim screen is the kind of TV that's so visually astounding, so unfathomably well designed, it has to be seen to be believed. Don't believe me? Well, okay then. Radio has its limits. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to In the Know, the Pelicans podcast here to talk about how the Pelicans are officially eliminated from postseason contention. I have with me the one and only Mason Ginsburg. Mason, what is up? How you doing? Uh, good. Uh, I've got the uh, got the place myself this weekend. My fiance is on her bachelorette party, so I have dog duty and just have to make sure I keep him alive. Wow. Okay. So what is, what is this, uh, outside of keeping the dog alive? Like, you know, is this a, a parents gone parties on type of situation? Like what's, what's going down in Chi-Town? <laughs> no, it is not. Um, not, not much is going on, but the weather is turning up, which is like that. I think we're finally, I say this all the time. I think we're finally getting past the, the, the coldness. So I'm um, just going to try to enjoy, um, enjoy some, some walks with the dog outside and rather than being freezing cold. So that's, that's, that's my big weekend plans. You should have a, a, a semi bachelor party with your dog and then send your fiance pictures of the dog partying, <laughs> you know, like maybe, I don't know, maybe, you know, you'd like, like take a picture with some alcohol, maybe take a picture with some, like a, like a stripper pole near him or something, make it take a picture of him passed out. I don't know. I think you can get creative here. Yeah, absolutely. And his birthday, he actually turns one next Wednesday. So that'll be fun too. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, what's, uh, what, what's up with you? What you been doing? I am stuck in the pandemic time loop of doing the same thing over and over again every <laughs> single day. It is Groundhog Day. Uh, but, you know, it's neither here nor there. It's the Pelicans are concluding their season very soon. And they have officially been eliminated from postseason contention after a defeat 
to the Dallas Mavericks. I had to think about that. I'm like, who did they just lose to? They've lost a lot. <laughs> <laughs> they so just many. lost to the Dallas, Dallas Mavericks. And um, it, it wasn't a close game. Let's just say that. And the Pelicans were missing a lot of their main horses. They were missing four out of five starters. So Alonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Steven Adams, they were missing. And then Josh Hart. In the middle of the game, Najee Marshall got hurt. We have yet to have an update on his injury, some sort of shoulder injury. Jackson Hayes turned an ankle, but hes I don't know what he's made of. That dude pops Classic. back up. Yeah, I mean, he pop, he pops back up after every injury. It doesn't make any sense, but good for him, and that's awesome that you know he's he's capable of bouncing back. Um, yeah, Pelicans didn't look too, too great last night. Not a lot to take away, but – it led us to the debut of Didi, the long-awaited debut of Didi. Finally, you know, the game was out of hand. And at the end of the third quarter, uh, Didi was allowed to check in. And he played the entire fourth quarter after that. And the funniest part about the the Didi debut is, okay, well, you know, they, they sub him in. He's assigned to Tim Hardaway Jr. while the others are assigned to Luca. And the game is clearly a blowout. So you're like, okay, Luca's not going to play in the fourth quarter. So, you know, it takes like two possessions and Didi is all over Tim Hardaway Jr. Like Didi is chasing this guy all the way to the backcourt um, to make sure he doesn't get the ball. The guy finally gets the ball. He tries to, uh, he, he tries to work Didi, tries to score on him and ends up throwing up a very tough shot that was really well contested and then you're like holy shit this guy can play this guy is running um all over the court to play defense which is amazing and then you know he had a a couple more possessions similar to that in terms of effort before uh, I think it was shortly after that Najee Marshall got hurt and then the fourth quarter started and for whatever reason Rick Carlisle decided hey Luka Dantich needs to play at the beginning of the fourth quarter, it was, uh, I think, a 20, 25-point game at that point. Uh, game was clearly out of hand. Maybe it was probably just the Pat Luca stat, whatever it was. <laughs> Luca starts the quarter. DD is on him. And it's about four, maybe five possessions in a row. And Luca tries to do literally anything. So I think the first thing he tried to do was drive on DD and try to draw a foul with a floater it ends up throwing up a bad off-balance floater, okay? The second thing he tries to do, I, I, I probably have this out of order, but I guess this is the way I remember it. Second thing he tries to do is, is try to work him um, for a step back three, try to get him to jump in the air, and then jump into him to try and draw the foul. And again, Didi completely stonewalls him, and he ends up throwing up a bad shot, looks like a complete fool. You know, after after I think two or three more possessions, Luca's like, yeah, you know what? I, I've had enough of trying to score on this guy. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let someone else take the ball. And he ends up chilling, and then shortly after, he's like, okay, I'm done trying to pat my studs. And it was pretty incredible and refreshing watching Didi just jump straight in. Dude hasn't had any practice. He is brand new to the team, doesn't know the system in any capacity. And they're like, hey, you know what? Uh, why don't you guard Luka Nantich? And uh, Luka, Luka tried to rook him. Luka is like, oh, it's a rookie. I'm going to try to rook him. And he was not successful. So it was it was very fun to watch um, whatever that short time period was where Didi was defending Luka. 
Yeah. Um, inspiring, I think, um, especially, and, and just the right kind of injection you need at the end of the season when I think everyone else is just kind of winding down. You, you, I mean, there's, there's not a ton left to play for, obviously. Um, but there are some guys that still have something to prove. And uh, I, I mean, I think the Pelicans do have a few guys on that roster on the roster who are still trying to prove things to the last minute, last game, but DV especially, cause this is very, this is NBA debut coming and you didn't even know if this was going to happen this year. I mean, uh, in theory, if the Pelicans played a few close games to end the year, I don't really know if there's an opportunity for DV to play. Even, even if the Pelicans aren't really trying to win these games, maybe he gets some spot minutes, but I, who knows? And, and so this is really, it was really cool to not only see him, uh, play but look up to the challenge against one of the best players in the league um, and so again we, we don't really know what he can be offensively um, but as far as what you saw in the first game from defense I'm not sure you could have expe- you could have asked for anything better than what he what he was able to give the Pelicans last night frankly it makes me disappointed in the rest of the, the roster the rest of the roster <laughs> I, I was thinking I'm, about going there too <laughs> dead serious like this dude doesn't know anything about the team or anything about the nba and he's out there in possession one like he's guarding one of the 10 best players in the nba probably one of the five hardest players to defend i i'm I luca's really good that's the point and the effort that he shows the the amount of aggression that he shows the I'm in your airspace, do something about it that he shows. There's no reason the supposed all defensive caliber guard on the team couldn't have been doing that all year. There's no reason Lonzo couldn't have been doing that all year. There's no reason Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson couldn't be doing that. You know, I I get that those guys have offensive responsibilities, but like, can I see it once ever? And then, you know, it's it's not even like, oh, like, hey, it's, uh you know, they, they don't understand the scheme yet. The stand's new, blah, blah, blah. Like, I heard all those excuses for why you know, these guys suck at defense. This guy doesn't know anything. And, he, and he's like, okay, fine. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go for, defend Luca like hard as I can. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, uh, I, one, I think it's, you brought it up. I think it's hilarious that Luca was still out there in the fourth quarter. Like, are you kidding me? um stat padding <laughs> um he just wanted but, to get more and more more complaints into the official you know he, he didn't yeah. have enough yeah i mean whenever you have a chance to get a, pick up another useless technical foul um you, you may as well go for it but i was um, hoping dd could like frustrate him into uh the 16th and so you'd see a suspension would have been real funny um but just like add add luca to the list of of guards who have just decimated the pelicans backcourt <laughs> Did you? I, I was uh, I was running down that list yesterday. And did you did you see that? What I, I was going through all the, what the various guards have done to New Orleans this year. I did, and it's depressing. <laughs> it's so bad. Like I mean, started with Fox, which is the worst one. Because I mean, you knew it because he just it, everyone remembers Darren Fox tearing up the, the Pelicans uh, in the games they play against him. But like averaging forty a game over three games is insane. But like the list goes on. <laughs> Like the number of players, him, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, all three of those dudes scored more points against the Pelicans this year than any other team, <laughs> any other one. And the only reason guys like uh, DeRozan and Zach Levine aren't on that list too is because they only played the Pelicans twice instead of three times. Like it's just, it's, it's so bad. Um, and, you know, we, we don't have to go, we will probably touch on this in more detail at a later date about just like the overall out uh, like you know, you know post post mortem I guess but like man the the 
the def- the guard the defensive guard play compared to what we were hoping for at the beginning of the year the the delta is just gigantic in my opinion maybe 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 it's too big bigger than it should have been but yeah i mean the funny thing is that like you look at the backcourts across the league and it's not like teams are trotting out Gary Payton and Drew Holiday at both guard positions across the league. You know, like yeah. most offensive guards, most guards that are geared, you know, to score, they're terrible at defense. You know, most backcourts are terrible at defense. They, they don't have one good defender amongst the two of them. You know, people talk about Russ and Beal. People talk about Colin Sexton and uh, Darius Garland or, you know, Kyrie and, and um, uh, Harden, Kyrie, and Joe Harris. If Harden's not healthy, you know it's just like backcourts across the league suck defensively. You're gonna you're gonna be very hard to find backcourts that have two good defenders. You know, I think it's like I'm trying to think. It's like Milwaukee has two of them. Um, in and I guess LA has two, but like LA's like they're not really good on offense. I. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard. I guess the Clippers have two with with Beverly and Paul George. Technically, it's it's hard to come up with good examples of good defensive backcourts. You Indiana, know, Indiana maybe I don't know. <laughs> Karis or Levert, I don't think is good. Oh, uh, not a good defender. I, I guess if you're calling them a, th- uh, a, a a two, then oh yeah, I guess they're playing Brogdon at the point. So yeah, would, yeah, never mind. <laughs> right, and then yeah. I guess you know, like like Damon CJ. Suck. Oh, Toronto's good. Toronto's got two good ones. Yeah. Um, but the point remains is like the bar is pretty low here. You, you don't, you don't gotta be, you don't gotta be Drew Holiday to, to not get dropped 40, like to not have 40 scored on you like every other night. And and it's just, it's maddening. It's that's yeah. what that is. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah. So um so yeah pelicans are eliminated from the playoffs um so that's official now i feel like we we danced around it for a while but now we can say without a shadow of a doubt the pelicans will not be making the playing game this year yeah which i guess is that how do you feel about that you take that as as a disappointment what's where are you at on on the season not really. I mean, like, honestly, if, if the Pelicans were rolling in with a fully healthy roster and, and then I would say, yeah, it would have been, it would have been fun to, to grab that 10th seed and see what kind of trouble it could cause, but also the Pelicans the, and, and the Pelicans tend to maybe play a little bit better against good teams and, sh- and shit the bed more against bad teams. And so um, like I, relative to what you'd expect for a team with their record, I, I think they, they, they play worse than you'd expect against bad teams and they play maybe a little bit better than you expect against good teams. So like in theory, you could see that being interesting, but w- the way that the rosters, I mean, with, with the injuries you see now, like there was, I had no interest, <laughs> like, the, like just, let's just cut the cord <laughs> and, and, and this season. Yeah. Put, put these guys out of their misery. <laughs> Seriously, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it kind of dragged on for a little bit and you know, I, I don't think people were having necessarily the greatest time um, towards the end of it, just because the season has gone on for so long. It seems like stands worn out. It seems like some of the players are worn out. They're breaking down physically. Definitely. You know, like Adams is, is falling apart. Injuries are catching up on Zion and Ingram and even Lonzo, you know, who has a contract on the line and with these meaningless games left, there's no reason for him to go out there and try to get hurt. You know what I mean? So He's he's got to take care of himself. I get it. I get I get where the Pelicans are at. For me, I think L, 
it's difficult to paint the season with one broad sh- stroke of like, oh, this was um, an optimistic yeah. season or uh, or this was a disappointing season. I think there were elements of it that were clearly disappointing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we can dive into like which elements those were. And then there were elements that were clearly a step in the right direction. And those mainly revolve around the progress the young players made. Yep. And so, so what I think a lot of people keep coming back to, and you hear a lot of the beat writers discuss it is I think it's shaping up to be a pivotal and important off season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that, is that an assessment do you agree with, or do you think it's more like, you know, it's not, I mean, every off season is important. So this one's not necessarily like orders of magnitude, more important they just to where they have to deviate from any process that they have going on. Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty important. I, I think the period between now or between the off season and then the subsequent all-star break is, is, is very important when, I, and I think you can front load most of that. I mean, like, I think like, is there a, a if, if Eric Bledsoe is on the roster to start next season, one, uh, I, the, the thing is like, I don't want to consider that just an ad, uh, like a abject failure if there's if there's a plan <laughs> but i think it would be hard to it would be hard i mean there's always a plan no matter what yeah. there's there's always a plan so i don't know if a plan's enough to absolve yes a failure <laughs> yeah that, that's kind of where i was going with that where, where like i feel like most of most of it mo- most of what the pelicans need and the timing in which they need it makes me believe that this is a very important offseason yeah i mean what so I guess you're talking about the timing. What specific with regards to the timing do you think makes it more urgent? Um, just because I really feel like the Pelicans only have they only have certain ways to separate the roster. This isn't going to be a team that's up. I mean, I I don't see this team being one that operates with cap space, and so you've got to do it via trade. And so what I mean, I, you can you make moves around the edges like you have the mid level, obviously, but um, I, I think that the Pelicans are in a position where they've got to make a make a move, make a make a trade to, to really upgrade the roster. And so there's always that chance that just like nothing truly materializes this summer. And but and we can't just like close the book on the team and, and say like it was just a disaster. But I think most likely that whatever move you're going to make, uh, if you're looking to make a big move, I think it has to come this summer. Right. I guess my question, sorry, I wasn't very clear about it, is is what specific with regards to timing is is driving you or urgency? Is it the fact that, you know, Zion's due for an extension and you're you're worried about that situation? Is it the fact that um, you know, you only have a finite amount of time with Zion on his rookie, yeah. rookie scale contract? Okay. Is it, you know, you have a like what you know, like you have to make a contract decision on Alonzo this season? Like what what specific is it driving your urgency? 100% Zion. 100% Zion. Like, that's it. it it's uh, we, you. It's year three with him. Um, we've talked on this podcast already about the, the reality that someone eventually is going to take the qualifying offer and just, like, bounce off to the first contract. Zion, I mean, if, if why not Zion? It is, the, is the mentality that the Pelicans have to go into this with and, and make, make sure they're doing the right things to make him – buy into this franchise in the long term. And so I really do feel like this team has to make a tangible step forward next season. Um, I, I, again, you have to toe the line of not over, over trying to do too much and, and risking the, you know, doing what the, the last version of the Pelicans did, but 
at the same time, you've got a lot more assets in, in the war chest to play with. And so I, I do feel like the Pelicans have to make a real step forward. And the way to do that is to, like you said, I think last time we talked, talent, or it was on the, um, on the spaces, just get talent. They need more talent. And then you, you got to be aggressive. Yep. No, I, I a hundred percent agree with being aggressive. And, and so to that tune, I, I want to gauge your level of aggression. Um, I asked on Twitter the other day, uh, yesterday, if trading three unprotected picks plus a pick swap for OG and an OB would be too rich or, you know, is that be something you'd be down to do? And the, and the picks I listed were Pelicans coming pick this year assuming it's not top three, assuming it, it lands wherever it's supposed to land, like eight, nine, whatever, eight, nine, 10, that range. Um, the Lakers pick in 2022 and the Milwaukee pick in 2025. <clears throat> and then, you know, a, a choice of swap. I don't really care which pick swap it is, but a choice of pick swap. Um, I mean, I, I guess if, if it came down to it, right, I, I would care which swap it is. I wouldn't want like a, a 2029 Pelicans pick swap out there. Just, yeah. but, sure. but, the general idea is you have multiple pick swaps from the Lakers, multiple pick swaps from the Bucks, and a lot of your own. So, you know, just kind of take your pick. Um, would Assume, I guess, to, to kind of like make this question easier, assume Bledsoe is the outgoing salary to match or, or Steven Adams, just one of the two. Bledsoe or Adams mm-hmm. are, are, are the outgoing salary. And I, I know that makes a big difference uh, materially because, you know, like Adams is still at least a functional player on this team. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I guess assume one of the two or the salary going out. Is that too rich of a trade for you? Is that too aggressive of a trade? I think it's fair. I really do. Um, I, I think I, I think I would do it. Um, I, I'm, I'm not like dancing in the streets about it, which makes me feel like it's a, it's a reasonable offer. Um, I, I do caution folks who are evaluating this trade. I feel like the, 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 the gut reaction is to always compare it to recent trades. And I feel like that's how the market sets its value. And so if you do that, I feel like a lot of, a lot of people might just like kind of throw their hands in and say, why are you giving up that much? But I think one, his, his fit with this Pelicans roster cannot be understated Two, He took very meaningful strides in the season this year. Uh, and he's really truly becoming a stud. And, and I, I really, I mean, I, I would, I, I think I would pull the trigger on that. And, and oh, three is, it's not like the Pelicans, you're, you're not throwing all their future assets into this, into, into this move. I mean, it's probably, it's a decent number of them, but you still have enough in the tank to, if you wanted to throw everything else. So the other picks you got from other teams and all of your future picks to go get like the true superstar, you could, you, you still have enough to do that. And so that's really all for all those reasons. I think, I, I think I'm on board. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm with you. I think that is, um, I mean, I think I'm I, I'm with you on the on board of this trade, even in a more aggressive fashion. That I would I would do it and not really think about it and be like, "Fuck yeah, go get him." Um, again, I think people are understating the level of fit OG brings. I used to be out on the OG and Anobi train. I mean, like, so it, it, it's been a roller coaster ride for me. I was a huge fan of him come draft time, huge fan of him early career, and then, you know, like right around last year, I, I thought. Uh, he had at the at the beginning of last year. I thought he had he was good, but he had kind of like slowed down in his progress um, to where people were overstating his actual impact to to his potential. Uh, you look at all of it, any of his impact stats; he was like barely above neutral, 
and he he was an inconsistent shooter at that time and he struggled to stay healthy as well as like his offensive game was was pretty limited um and and given his profile as a big wing defender i thought his defense was always legit uh but i i thought it nece- it didn't necessarily translate to a high overall level of impact but given his profile as a wing defender i was like there's no way this dude isn't getting a max you know he signed with clutch um he he is a prototypical three and D wing. This guy is going to get paid, you know, and I was wrong. This guy got a very, very reasonable extension. I think he signed four years, $72 million uh, as an extension. And his final year is a player option, which is very player friendly. So after three years, you know, he decides he's worth way more than he's getting paid for, which at this rate, it looks like he will be, you know, he can, he can cash in pretty early and, and it'd be a good reward for him. So it was a good, good player option but you know over the next three years he's a steal he makes 16 million uh 17.3 and then 18.6 which is absolutely cheap for the level of progress that he's made this season defensively nick nurse asked him to defend one through five legitimately one through five you know people say like oh you can switch on to one through five no he defends fives for extended periods of time because they run crazy defense out there in Toronto in Tampa Bay this year. <laughs> and, um, you know, you would think that, okay, maybe Pascal's taking on the bigger guys. Maybe it's, it's some of their uh, wacky bigs that they signed like Aaron Baines or, or Chris Boucher or Boucher, however you pronounce it. Um, no, OG, OG will take on a lot of those assignments in, in crunch time. You know, pa- Pascal's not doing that. And OG will also take on like the best perimeter assignments. In, in crunch time if needed so it's whoever they want him to guard he's doing and he's doing extremely well and then every he's also taken a meaningful step up offensively especially creating his own offense he's finishing the year uh, averaging 16 points a game uh, you know shooting 39.8 percent from three on six just over six attempts a game uh, really really high um level of shooting I guess I don't want to say like really high but a really good level of shooting on a solid number of attempts um you know he's finishing the year with 60 percent true shooting the leap that he made post all-star kind of like pro trade deadline kind of creating his own offense um over the last 20 games he averaged 18 uh points a game on better efficiency than he averaged uh before before the all-star break so which is pretty impressive you know he, he ended up shooting 48 40 uh 81 on uh at 18 points 18.3 points a game which which i saw meaningful improvements on his handle so to kind of slide uh an all-around defender next to zion and ingram uh one who is who can do things on offense as well and knock down shots uh it's hard to find a better non-all-star level fit period on this team and sometimes you just need that fit to take you over the edge. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I think, um, you know, totally agree with every, everything you said about him and the steps he's taking, uh, he's taken this year. I think specifically uh, on, on the shooting front, I mean, he was, I, I think he's finally, he's, he's given you enough of a sample to make you realize that he's at minimum, he's a plus shooter. Um, you know, he's up to 37 and a half percent from three in his career. And so he was for the second straight season, he's 39 percent or above. Um, and it's about 500 attempts in total over his over the last couple of seasons. And so he really I mean, because because it was 
you know, worth questioning after a sophomore year because he took a, he took a dip and was like 33%. But, uh, you know, uh, I think he's, like you said, the volume's also ticked up. And so that, big time. I mean, I, I think that's, so he was at um, like per hundred possessions this year. He's, he's, um, he's at 8.8, three point attempts per hundred. He was at 5.2 last year. And so, um, you know, he, he's, uh, he's like, I, I think the true shooting percentage just illustrates how efficient of a scorer he's been. And I think his role on this team would be one that you don't have. He's not going to get put in a bunch of tough offensive situations. I mean, he's, he's, he's going to Zion and, and even whether or not BI is on the ultimate version of this team, but so Zion and BI are going to do more than enough to help him help, help create space and help him thrive on offense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think setting the OG point aside, um, I think that's the level of aggression I want the Pelicans to have this off season is, is not being afraid to slap down two or three picks swap a bunch of seconds. Uh, a, a lot of their draft capital for players who are like hand and glove fits or, or players who are extreme needle movers, or obviously for players who are stars. I, I said this on the spaces. And for those who missed out on the spaces is, the Pelicans have so much flexibility to be aggressive that they can afford to take these kind of shots, get better, and then take more shots. They can afford for shots to even fail um, and, and take more shots down the line. So, you know, they they have 11 picks in like the next seven years, 11 first round picks. They have a bunch of second round picks. Uh, they have all of their young players, they have Brandon Ingram. All these are assets. All these are assets that you can use to improve your roster. And I don't buy that Zion Williamson needs a player to grow with long-term. I think that the Pelicans should be aggressive in adding talent, especially star-level talent around him. And if opportunity comes to improve upon it or rotate that talent, if it's not working, they should take it. They shouldn't be one of those situations where you have Damon CJ for 18 years together and, and you're running it against the same wall over and over again. Like, I, I don't buy that you need someone necessarily of even Zion's age group to kind of to make this work. I think if you get a guy and you have him for – two to three years. And then it clearly you now on to sleeper sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game changing product. Unlike anything else in the industry. And now you can make money on sleeper too, by playing their new over under game. It's super simple. First in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over or under, for example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about over under on sleeper. It's the only app where I can join my buddy's contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friend's picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. Stop what you're doing and download sleeper now to play their new over under game and have fun with your friends. And most importantly, make some money. Make sure you use that promo code blue wire and sleeper will match your deposit up to $100. Again, download sleeper, then use promo code blue wire. When you deposit terms and conditions apply, see sleepers terms of use for details. You run into a ceiling, screw it, move on. You know, you have the ability to continue to do that. And, and that's the level of aggression that I, I want the Pelicans to have. Now, 
the 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 difficult thing about this is who who are the teams that are going to be willing to sell on those kind of players this summer which there might not be any team you know and 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 that's why like hoping for for that kind of a player can't be your your sole plan for improvement the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Right. And you talk about the the hand and glove Fed approach. I mean, that's look back a year. That's, just, that's what the Bucks did in the Pelicans trade. I mean, that's, they, they saw Drew as that guy and they went out and got him. They threw and and that, I mean, when that trade happened, um, there, there are some detractors of the trade on the Pelican side who, who were like, oh, more picks, we want players. But as far as the number of picks and what the Pelicans got just in raw value from the Bucks, a lot, most people said that was a, a great move for New Orleans and the Bucks. I don't want to call it desperation, but it kind of was desperation. They, they got the guy they thought was the best fit. And they, it, it, I don't think, I, I don't know. It depends on what your perspective on whether they overpaid for him, but they, they paid what they thought was fair to, to help to, to give their team the best chance at, at, I mean, obviously signing Giannis to an extension, but also going to get a title. And so um, the Pelicans are in a different position, obviously in their, in their growth trajectory, but the same concept applies. Like if you see the guy who's a great fit and for your team, go, go do what it takes to get him. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, there's going to be moments where unexpectedly a star becomes available. Unexpectedly a player becomes available. I don't ever want there to be a situation. It's like, Oh, well, we're kind of trying to figure out what we have with this guy. No, if that guy's clearly better, just go get that guy. I, 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 I truly believe in, in that kind of situation uh, with, with Zion and people are going to be like, Oh, well, you're not going to be able to foster loyalty or uh, you shouldn't trade, treat players as commodities like that. And I get it. I think those are valid points, but I think in a, in a market like new Orleans, your windows are already small. Your margins of errors are already small. So if you have opportunities to just flat out, get a level talent, like, star level talent you take it and and you answer the questions later and i'm not talking about like oh dell dumps trading for or drew holiday or or signing tyreek evans not that level of talent i'm talking real talent you know, <laughs> it seems insulting fired as drew good lord <laughs> <laughs> sorry it seems insulting i just realized when i said that it seems insulting to to a guy like drew but like i mean the next level up you know um guys who are, are going to be multi-time all-stars in this league and and some people are going to be like oh well OG's clearly not that guy and I get it um I think OG's closer to being that guy than a lot of people think and I, I think the the fit the fit factor with him kind of overrides a lot of those factors I, I think he'd be like awesome. my like yeah. one exception amongst others um but but in general, well, so you said that you said you've got a you have the ability with the Pelicans flexibility to take shots and fail. I also think that um, almost uh, counterintuitively, you've got to also take risks if you're a small market team like New Orleans. And I think if you can get in early on a guy like it's not really early for OG. Because, I mean, all the reasons we're talking about why we want him means it's not early. But also if he can level up and 
I mean, I, I guess I liken it to the uh, James Harden trade with Houston um, from OKC. It's like, I, we knew that Harden was really freaking good. Perennial MVP level good. We didn't know that just just surely because he didn't have that type of role with the with the Thunder, just you know because of all the talent that was there and because he was earlier on in his career. But like that's that that's a meaningful step that you can get in. So just because you're not the earliest doesn't mean you still can't get in or take a chance and get in early on a player who may still have another leap to be made. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I think this applies to all levels of acquiring talent. And I like that you brought up James Harden because the way they, they try to approach team building around him is, is what I want from the Pelicans front office when it comes to risk taking appetite. Uh, you can talk about how they, they never made the final. And so ultimately it was a failure, which is fine, but they went out and got Dwight Howard, who was considered a star when, when they, when they got him, right. They went out. Okay. They realized Dwight Howard didn't work. They didn't hold on to him. They didn't stay married. Like, eh, we're going to try to make this work. They went out and got Chris Paul. Um, and then when they came up short with Chris Paul for better or for worse, and mostly for worse, <laughs> mostly, mostly for, for worse. worse, mostly for worse. It was a terrible, terrible trade for that organization, but they traded him for Russell Westbrook. But the idea, the level of aggression is what's necessary because ultimately like, you know, if, if you, if you are running against the wall, you, you want to try something different and, and keep, and they went and got an MVP level talent, a guy who was averaging, you know, like 29, 10 and 10. Um, Russ is a wild card, say what you want about him. And that move spectacularly failed for them for a variety of reasons. Uh, but it was aggression. They tried to trade four first round picks for Jimmy Butler in, in the middle of all of that. Um, and they almost signed Chris Bosh in the middle of all of that. They, they've been on the cusp of, of pretty much every star that becomes available. They've been in that conversation because Daryl Morey knows. I mean, they try to add Carmelo Anthony, right? They're like, you know, it's a questionable fit as best, but he's talent. And, and we're going to try to work him in. And Carmelo wasn't ready to embrace that sort of system and role. And it didn't work out for him. And now he's, you know, it's working out for him in, in Portland, which is great. But Daryl Morey's mantra was, the best way to build a title team, the best way to like take your chances above 0% to like raise them to like even 5% to win a championship, which is a lot, you know, because the championships are, are very hard to win is, is to go get those all NBA level players. And the Pelicans have so many more assets to work with than Houston ever did. And a very young starting piece in Zion in terms of he's not on his max contract yet. So, I want there to be that level of aggression. I, I, the Pelicans have a limited time to make this work. Yeah. And, and the one thing you didn't bring up about how the, why the aggression matters is the other teams that, that could be trying to get into this bidding wars and when. And, and so I think, um, you know, when we look at, obviously the, the cream of the crop in terms of what the asset treasure chest is the Oklahoma city thunder. And if you wait too long, you may reach a point where they're starting to feel like they want to make that step. And then you're in a bidding war with the team that's got more than you do. And so I, I think the Pelicans right now are in a place where they can, you know, capitalize on their assets, maybe a little bit better um, than if they wait and have other teams fighting with them for some of these top, top talents. Absolutely. And Oklahoma city might be ready sooner than we think, you know, if, if they, yep. if they, they win the lottery and they get Cade and then, you know, Houston falls out of the lottery or outside of the top four and they OKC can walk away with the first and fifth pick 
And then you have two young players that you can add immediately to Shea Gildas Alexander, who is also ready to win. Mm-hmm. And then they can start making all kinds of win now moves, right? They can start making all kinds of win now moves and be like, all right, we had our one year of, of processing it up and that's it. We're done. And it could be as soon as next year that, that they're trying to cash in on. They have third, they have 17 picks, 17 first round picks and 17, Second round picks, 34 overall. Like, there's no way they're going to be able to use them. Um, no one even knows how to value them, but they can easily be like, you want four? Take four. Get the guy that I want. And, and the, right, the Pelicans should yep. hopefully try to put themselves in a position to avoid a bidding war. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, that I mean, I think we've touched on how we want the Pelicans to approach the off season philosophically we haven't really touched on the specifics with regards to the players on the team, which I think is fine um, because there's a lot to talk about in the questions that the people have sent us, which we will hit on in the back half of the pod. So I have a question for you. The Pelicans have all of these players. They have, um, they just signed Didi. They have Najee. They have um, James Johnson, uh, who may or may not be back. Josh Hart, who may or may not be back. Basically, a lot of these like defense first, gritty kind of hustle type of players. Do you see all of them having rotational, like rotational spots next year? And is there a point of diminishing returns where you're just like trotting five? or too many, not just five, like too many offensively inept dudes out all the time where you just can't overcome it? We're about to find out with the last couple of games of the season. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> the last couple of games are not going to mean anything. You know, no, like... I know, but yeah. <laughs> no, I was no, I was just joking earlier today about just that the Pelicans were like trot out at uh, Nikhil, Najee, Didi, Wenyan, and Jackson Hayes lineup just for, just for shenanigans and like total hustle all the time, but like no, no one can even get a bucket out of like, I mean, Nikhil, but like besides that, um, just to see kind of how, how it goes. But I mean, yeah, I, I think that I, it's kind of the reason why, I mean, not really the reason why, but uh, I feel like if the Pelicans thought they didn't have enough of those guys, they wouldn't have let Kemrich go to Oklahoma City in that, in that, uh, the deal they made. Um, not that they had a ton of options to really make the salary work, but I feel like that's, he, he fits the same mold. And, and so the Pelicans are going to be facing the same situation this year, uh, next year about, um, but, but at the same time, I'm, I'm not, I don't really hate filling out the rotation with guys like that um, because you, it's not like the Pelicans are going to have a ton of ways to go get other dudes uh, to, to fill out the roster because especially if they go make the move for like a, a big, big time player, um, that's a little bit different. Um, that, that, I mean, what else are you going to do? Are you going to, you're going to go use draft pick, forget someone else. You're going to use a mid level exception. So, I mean, like you, so I guess long story short is I feel like, yes, you need, um, you, you, you may be looking at the Pelicans having too many of those type of guys, but I don't really see a, a, a clear near term alternative to do it better without wasting assets. It's even more point for the Pelicans to be aggressive and add stars, right? You have all these exactly. guys, like make them function, go bring in the piece that, that lets them be playable. 
<laughs> right? I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to watch. I, are you taking anything away or for these last couple of games? Are you, are you looking for something or, you know, is it just like, let this be over? <laughs> um, it's honestly, it's mostly let this be over. Uh, I, I'm really not sure what else. I mean, I, I'm, I'm watching guys like, uh, so I guess Nikhil, I, I think, um, seeing him create offense and create good looks when he doesn't have anything around him, like what the Pelicans have right now. Like if, if I see like that stuff is cool to me, that, that stuff is inspiring. It makes me feel like he can be like, he's, you know, when he does have real talent around him, he becomes that much more dynamic. Um, obviously he struggled a little bit against Dallas and like, and, and any, any shot creator is going to struggle when they don't have any, any other players on the floor with them to take attention away. Um, but that's kind of stuff I'm looking at. Like any, anything that, that would suggest like in a situation like this, the Pelicans are in where they don't really have much offensive talent on the floor. Um, if good, th- if you can get, make good things happen in lines like that, you can most certainly make good things happen when you've got, when you got people around you who can do something, you know? If DD is put on Steph Curry <laughs> this next game and All Steph right. scores under 30, do we award him defensive player of the year? Decade. Decade. We're making up awards for this. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Defensive rookie player of the year in the first 25 minutes played. Yes, 100%. Okay, okay, (laughs) cool. Just making sure we're on the same page here. Yeah. Um, You know, amongst amongst other news, there's been some interesting uh, league-wide news I think is somewhat uh, relevant to the Pelicans. The Timberwolves agreed upon a sale to Alex Rodriguez and – whoever the other guy is i don't know you, you probably know but um 50 50 partnership with alex rodriguez and his partner uh pegging the value of the timberwolves at 1.5 billion dollars now you know the wolves aren't necessarily a fantastic market um they're a bigger city than new orleans for sure um but you know given their location and and their franchise history it's billion is a lot. And I wonder what that does one to the Pelicans overall value. And do you think, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of talk about um, what the Bensons feel or might do with, with the Pelicans. Do you think that like, as these team prices are rising, like they're, they're increasingly incentivized to cash out on this venture? Um, I mean, I'd be lying if I said no, just because, it's at least it's not an idea it's an actual dollar amount put on it and it's it's a it's your most recent data point to what's what the nba franchises are worth and yeah i mean i i think you're you be hard pressed to find better comps for the new orleans pelicans as, as far as their franchise value than a team like minnesota and a same similar small market um you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really know how much the Zion factor fact, um, is included in the valuation. I imagine it has to be. Just don't really know how much, but I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm not saying that I feel. I think the team is going to be sold in their future. I'm, I'm all I'm saying is that you've got to look at it, and at least it, it matters. It, it, it's not just something you you overlook and ignore. It's got, it's got to matter. Yeah, uh, it's one of those things where you kind of have to be aware of it and uh be up to date on the news but it's not something you can anything you can do anything about right so spending undue time worrying about what billionaires might do to make their pockets richer is not a productive use of anyone's time 
Um, that being said, I, yeah, you're right. I think there's, it's not a 0% possibility to decide to sell the team at some point, um, you know, deciding that they don't want to be a part of it. And I guess if, and when that bridge comes, you, you take it, but I, you know, I would, I think if they ever decide to sell it, they would sell it to a person who wants to keep it in new Orleans, but I'm not so sure if that person, whenever, you know, they sell it, uh, will have the same loyalty. So, you know, as far as keeping the team or not, um, I don't think there's any imminent danger, uh, to that's the Minnesota, that's the Minnesota situation too, right? Like they, they already said, Glenn Taylor's, you know, they've talked about keeping the team in Minnesota, Whenever a rod and, and their and the partner flips, there's there's no guarantees there. I don't think either of them have any ties to Minnesota, so yeah, who, who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting situation there. Um, you know, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on I think a very serious situation. Uh, Sports Center posted a graphic last night about the Pelicans being eliminated from the playoffs and oh former Pelican player, JJ Reddick and experienced podcaster <laughs> liked the tweet of, of the Pelicans being eliminated from the playoffs. And man, I, I really wanted to get your thoughts on that. You know, it's, uh, it's sad. It's sad that he would take pleasure in something like that, you know, because for, I mean, for a couple of reasons, the one I called out when I saw it this morning was the fact that he had a hand in that team being bad. So um, that's, it's kind of almost like self-deprecating, uh, liking that tweet. It's like, yeah, I was bad. So the Pelicans weren't bad, were bad when I was there. And so now they missed the playoffs and I'm going to enjoy that. So weird, but also, um, it's like the, who, who could have done this meme? <laughs> this. Who's responsible? We'll find it's, out. <laughs> seriously. That's exactly what it is. But, um, but yeah, also it's just, it's, um, I can't remember, um, I think uh, Cliff uh, Cliff Robinson, who follows both of us, um, uh, and Pellis fan, Shout he mentioned the fact that um, he he mentioned that uh, it, it's just it's also bad because it's what does it say to his teammates? You know, you're, you're you're taking joy in the fact that they missed the playoffs. People you played with for the last couple, like for the first couple months of the season, and, and last year for some of those guys, like I don't know. That's it's very it's very that's that's kind of the annoying part to me more than anything else. Yeah, I'm the whole situation's stupid. JJ is clearly on a crusade to <laughs> shit Seriously. on the Pelicans at every opportunity that he gets. Tune in <laughs> to his next podcast. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, that's a puppy. Um, yeah, he's clearly on. You know what? Like, good for you, JJ. Like, if this is what you want to do, have at it, buddy. I, I think the thing with the Pelicans is they will open themselves up to this kind of drama and noise as long as they're not a good team. And the moment they become a good team, all this shit kind of disappears. That's that's the only way I can put it because, you know, your best revenge is success. But I keep pointing to the Phoenix Suns. You can point to many other teams. You know, the Phoenix Suns, you know, we're like, what, a year, two years away from, like, Robert Sarver releasing goats to shit all over Ryan McDonough's desk. <laughs> like, you know, there's everyone has a Ryan Sarver story. And... Uh, people made fun of them for drafting uh, Cameron Johnson. You know, their draft pick this year, Jalen Smith, um, no one's given them any shit about it at all. They could have dra- drafted Tyrese Halliburton. They could have drafted any number of players. They drafted Jalen Smith, who wasn't even mocked that high. Hasn't done shit this year. 
no one cares because they are pushing for the first seed in the West and they've been good. Uh, no one's talked about their ownership. No one's talked about their management. No one's done anything. The Knicks, no one gives a shit about 20 years of abject awfulness by Dolan and, and the rotating management that he's had there yeah. uh, because, Hey, they're making the playoffs. They're the darlings of the NBA. Like if the Pelicans want to quiet the noise, they got to win. And, and as long as they, they continue to be bad, they will open themselves up for, for this kind of drama. Yep. Yeah. I was actually on, on the, uh, on the jump today. Um, I tuned in the end of having to miss the segment I was tuning in for because Zach Lowe, I don't even know if you saw it. Zach Lowe apparently was talking about the Pelicans offseason a little bit on, on the jump, but um, they were talking with the part I did catch that him, Vince Carter and Rich Nichols were talking about the Knicks and, and them making the playoffs and how you're right. It, it's just them making the playoffs is a huge step and knowing like, and Dolan was like an afterthought. Um, it's just all about, they made the playoffs. It's New York city. All, all like free agents need to see is just New York being, competent and suddenly it's a whole different conversation we're having and so uh, which also should concern fans about someone like zion not to not to say that it means too much but like it doesn't take much for big markets to have to 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 be credible whereas like small markets like new orleans and other and others like you mentioned they're going to have to do a lot more to prove themselves and 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 so to do it you you just got to win you know If the Knicks want to be serious, if they want to sign Zion, they should sign Lonzo, his best friend, the guy who unlocks him on (laughs) on offense, the guy that Zion loves. They should sign Lonzo. And, um, yeah, man, that is is their pathway to success. They should give him, I think, a max. It sounds about right. And Lonzo Alfred's backcourt. Um, And and, and you know what? Take Bledsoe, too. Make him your sixth man. Sure. Whatever it takes. Go get Lonzo Knicks. I think that is the the way to do it. Uh, But, you know, I don't have much to add for this podcast. Let's wrap it up. We'll hit you with part two where where you guys ask us questions and we will try to respond to them to the best of our ability. So thanks for for listening to the note. What's up, everybody? I'm Bladen. I'm Matt. And I'm Theo. And we are Stay Hot, the only podcast that gives you the hottest analysis and takes on the NFL and NBA all year round. I know that there's a lot of losers and haters out there who don't think three sports TikTokers can hang for a full pod, but, you know, we're going to prove them all wrong. We're about to dive deep into the NFL draft and are already hitting the NBA playoffs. So watch Stay Hot on YouTube or listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.